Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, I am sitting here with Ashley Lark, and she is actually a graduate of the Paul Mitchell School Bradley in 2015, which is a Lori Clark School, which one of, one of my very favorite Paul Mitchell School owners. She was on the Paul Mitchell National Color Design Team, and she was one of 10 students picked out of all of the U.S. students to do hair behind the scenes on stage with the big names of Paul Mitchell in Vegas. And her and I were just sitting here talking, and I was completely floored because I had no idea that the person that you've done did the hair for was Hannah DiPuccio, which is our partner in business right now and a graduate of mine. And you actually did her hair. Yes. And the funny thing is, Ashley, is when uh, when she got her hair done and she had this beautiful, it was like a like big cotton, you know, whatever you cotton want. Candy. Yeah, cotton candy. And so beautiful. And she was so adorable. I never noticed her in school before. And then when she had her hair done that way, I thought, who is that? And I started asking, who is that that got her hair done? And it came her. <laughs> and so and we were like, it's Hannah DiPuccio. And I'm like, I need to stalk that girl because she needs to work in our brand new salon that we just opened up that year. And so that was because of you, yeah. because of you doing her hair. So thank you for that. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a big, vicious uh, circle that we have. And the crazy thing is, is that I actually got to know you on social media, which which is so funny. And then we're like, hey, let's make sure in Vegas that we meet up. And I remember we got a picture together, yeah. and that was oh, yeah. really cool. It was amazing. Yeah. Fell in love with you, Ashley. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for traveling all the way from Lakeland, Florida. You live Absolutely. now in Lakeland, Florida. And the cool thing is, is you uh, graduated in 2015, and you were an independent stylist in Illinois. Now you've kind of started all over here in oh, Lakeland, yeah. Florida, and experiencing the pains of growing a business again. Growing right? pains. Growing pains, yes. And we talked about that uh, just earlier over lunch. And I'm just so glad you traveled down here to Fort Myers, Florida, to visit here at our Palmetto School, sitting here in the Palmetto School and, and with you. But uh, let's t let's go right to the conversation that you and I were talking about because you went through the worst thing any mom could ever go through. And just to see the woman that you are today and what you've been able to accomplish even despite of all this adversity of losing your daughter. Absolutely. And six years ago, her name was Layla. Yep. And talk about that story. How did she pass and what happened to her? So Layla was born in 2011 with an unheard of genetic condition. Um, it is a chromosomal abnormality of uh, unbalanced translocation of chromosomes 1 and 10. So she had been in the hospital almost her whole life undergoing multiple surgeries and actually while she was in the hospital is when I signed up for cosmetology um, mm. and so it was just it was it was an adventure yeah I was so shocked uh, that you were able to even think about entering school and I'm so proud of you for doing that because here you had three years of her life because she was three and a half years old that you were in and out of the hospital. So basically you lived in the hospital. You never had. Talk about the life with Layla. What was it like for you? 
Um, it was very unknown. It was always unknown. Um, it was not your average child's life. Uh, we didn't have regular milestones. We didn't have walking, talking, crawling, sitting, you know, baby food, people food, nothing like that. We mm. didn't we didn't get to experience any of that. Um, so she never got to crawl or walk no. or anything. Mm-mm. Wow. No. Because she was in and out of the yeah. hospital. And yeah. So she didn't have any capacity at all. Was no. she on a feeding tube the whole time? She was on a feeding tube the whole time. Wow. So, well, wow. Uh, starting at about one month old, she was put on a feeding tube. So talk about the, so you had her, and did you know that there was a problem right after she was born? Um, so right before, probably about at 30 weeks, uh, I went in for another ultrasound, which I didn't expect. Um, and they told me that she was, she only had one kidney. Um, at 20 weeks, she had two kidneys. And so they were like, we're not sure what that could mean. So at birth, we will have everyone present just to be on the lookout. Just They only thought it was just a kidney. Just a kidney. And uh, we wow. found out at birth that she had an unheard of genetic condition and it was wow. an adventure. So how did you even know that it was um, a genetic condition? How um, did they, they know? They immediately referred us to a geneticist. Okay. Um, okay. A geneticist was actually in the hospital who gave us different information than what we had received when Layla was two weeks old. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they brought in everyone. They brought in you know people who specialized in just about every specialty in the hospital when she was born, and um, they said, "Oh, she has small eyes," and "Oh, she's small. She was you know under six pounds. She was a tiny baby." So she was born, um, she was under six pounds. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did you have her early? Um, I had her at 37 and a half weeks. Oh, so not early. Not early. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. And so here she was born. And so what went through your mind after she was born when you found out that she, you know, had those challenges, those health challenges? Talk about that experience. What was that like for you? Because I know my daughter just had a baby a year ago and... I, you know, he had jaundice and I was freaking out. So yeah. I can't even imagine, Ashley, I can't even put my, you know, feet in your shoes. Talk about your experience. And So when she was born, I had an emergency C-section and I didn't know anything. I didn't even see her. Mm-hmm. Um, I woke up in recovery and, you know, the first thing that they said to me was, you know, there's something wrong. Um, aside from what we originally thought, there's more. Mm-hmm. Um, she had two holes uh, in her heart, which would need to be closed. Um, she had signs of a genetic condition, which at that point they didn't know yet. They would have results in a couple days. And I'm sitting here in recovery, and I'm just like, where is she? Mm-hmm. Can I see her? Yeah. And um, they brought me back to my room, and she was in the NICU. She didn't stay in the NICU, luckily. Um but I was like, if I have to get up and walk, I will. And they're like, you can't do that. Yeah. Watch me. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was my priority. Like, mm-hmm. even with her being sick, had she even been healthy, she would have always been my priority. So mm-hmm. it was hard to understand that things weren't going to go as planned. Mm-hmm. Things weren't going to be what you envision, you know, your whole before you get pregnant and while you're pregnant and you have this vision and it was never going to be like that and that was hard to come to terms with yeah yeah 
Yeah, I can it just imagine. got harder. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Yeah, it got harder. And three years of hard, I can't even imagine it. Um, what, was there like just crying? Did you cry a lot? What was what was going through your mind through the whole thing? Did you try to stay tough the whole time? I stayed tough. You stayed tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you ever wonder like what what did other moms do? How do they cope? With something like that, because I'm sure you were probably you saw other moms Absolutely. with babies in NICU, and I saw a, a huge difference in how people handled themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting because I saw that while she was in the hospital and being next to other patients and parents, and I saw that again. You know, the hospital is not a great place to make friends, and unfortunately, we made friends. We were there a long time. And I saw it in other parents who had lost their children. And then I saw it in myself when I lost her. And everyone was just so different. Mm. It's, yeah, some people crying and some Yeah, I was, losing I was numb. It. You were numb. I was numb. What do you think, this is called the B series, Untold Stories of Leadership Transformation. What do you think caused you to be numb? Like what, what happened to you in your past that caused you to stay numb? Did you ever think about that? I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just uh, my body's way of trying to protect me a little bit. Like, yeah, don't lose it now. Yeah, you <laughs> were just trying strong. to stay. You, yeah. Do you think you were trying to stay tough? for yourself, for uh, your husband at that time, for her dad, or for her? Um, I feel like for her and for me. Yeah. Um, I did notice, so later later on in her life, um, when she was two, she actually had a stroke, which wow. the odds are very slim. I watched the odds go from one in 10 out of 100,000 to one in 11 out of 100,000 mm-hmm. pediatric patients have strokes. Um, so she had a stroke. She was uh, put in a medically induced coma and I saw that even even then, not knowing the density of what was happening and the fact that we later found out that she was neurologically blind and deaf, she would still react to my feelings. She was blind? Yes. Wow. She, the stroke, um, it really ruined a lot of areas, okay. unfortunately. Um, she was blind from birth? No. Okay. Nope, from the two, stroke. After the yep. stroke. Okay. Yep. So, uh, so what happened to her when she got blind? Was it was it worse? Was did she start crying more? Did she cry ever? Um, you know, she really didn't. Wow. She was always yeah. smiling. She was always happy. She would just come out of surgery and have a big smile on her face, and she really showed everybody just keep pushing. And I feel like that's maybe where I got wow. mine from. <laughs> so she wasn't crying. Did she ever appear to be in pain? Yes. So you could tell. Yeah. So when you saw her in pain, what what would go through your mind? Through um, that? A lot would go through my mind, and I would have to take any frustration out outside of the room because even in that situation, she would have reactions. So mm-hmm. if I came into the room and I was crying or I was upset, oh, I would notice heart rate fluctuations, which was insane. If you think about it, it was insane. She could wow. not see or hear me, but she knew, being my child, that she that mom she was frustrated. Knew it was you. Mom was hurt. Yeah. She so. could pick up on it and you would see you would notice it. The changes yeah. in her vitals. Yep. Her blood pressure would go up, her heart rate would go up and everyone would be like, "Calm down. Everything's fine. Calm down. Everything's fine." <laughs> How did you do it, Ashley? Because I, I mean, I, at one time I remember my son, there's so many things of course that have happened with our kids where they get hurt and I freak out, you know, and my son he he um 
he hit one of the little girls on a sled and he was bleeding. My husband was bleeding. I had to leave the room. I had to go to the bedroom. One of the people at our party had to take uh, my husband to the doctor to get stitches because I couldn't even look at him. And so I don't even know if I could even handle that. And so just kind of going through that, like how did you really do it? What was... What was it that caused you to to transform in that moment? So the beginning was rough. Um, first couple surgeries, first couple IVs, first couple, mm. like, everything. It was rough, and I would just get so frustrated. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are you putting her through so much extra stuff, what I thought was extra? And the more that I was mm-hmm. in the hospital and I saw, and, like, we got on a, a better routine, and I had more open communication with the doctors and nurses, it did get a little bit easier um, it's always scary to see something like I remember vividly one of the surgeries that she had. It was an abdominal surgery. It was a rare surgery. And like there are hardly any surgeons who even know of the surgery. I've had to tell people about this wow. and explain it for them as if I was yeah. a surgeon. And um, so after that surgery, she actually had it's called a wound back. And so they couldn't suture her up because she was so swollen and they didn't want any pressure. And so they place a piece of foam and they seal it with almost like like a, a plastic wrap. Oh, my God. And I remember that they came in to change it and they didn't tell me that they were changing it and they took the foam out. So they gradually go down mm-hmm. in size on the foam and I lost it. That was it. I lost it. I was like, I didn't want to see the inside of her like... I don't like that. That's not, that pushed it. That was it. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, you're pushing me over. Yeah. For sure. Wow. Okay. So I think this whole episode is going to be called Be Mentally Tough (laughs) because you had to really prepare yourself. It's not just be tough. It's be mentally tough because everything rises and falls on our mind of what happens in our mind and how we are able to really cope and have coping mechanisms to grow through our life right yeah. so because of course we're all going to go through adversity but your adversity is over the top Ashley and I just can't even imagine and so I know your story is going to really help somebody today and, and I know it's going to help me uh, to get stronger mentally and really prepare myself as well too but the first uh, step that I'm hearing is really being knowledgeable so what caused you because sometimes I just get so I'll tell you Ashley I get so frustrated and so um, scared over a situation that uh, maybe I'm hearing about my dad who's going through a lot of uh, heart failure and different things happening with him and and my mom and but my sister she doesn't like she's mentally tough she jumps in and she learns from the doctors and she studies so she's knowledgeable so she learns and she becomes super knowledgeable and knows the information inside and out that's what you did and I'm listening to you at lunch and I, my head's spinning because you sound like a doctor when you're telling <laughs> me the, you know what, what your daughter went through what caused you what was that transformational moment for you that caused you and said you know what I'm gonna learn everything there is to know about this why did you do that um it was all about being her advocate at the end of the day. Mm. Um, it was, she was a child. She was a baby. She was unable to express herself how we would express ourselves. Um, so with her first hospital stay, I was not satisfied with the doctor. I was not satisfied with the care plan. And I said, well, if you can't do what I think would be best for her, then you're going to transfer us. 
And it's all about putting your foot down. And I had researched the top doctors for her to see. So when I had the transfer ready, I actually had them call the new hospital. And I told them, I want this doctor for this reason, this doctor for this reason, this doctor for this reason. And I'm not even kidding. When we got to that hospital, those doctors were waiting in our room. I don't know if it's because I had put my foot down so much at the previous hospital that they were like, she's not messing around. And it was nice because those doctors, I didn't just pick them for their skill. I picked them for their compassion as well. Mm. And that's hard to find. Yeah. And so the part of the compassion was that they were willing to sit down with me and talk to me about everything. They, it, I mean, it got to a point where I could tell you the procedure that they did without having to dumb it down. And other people in the room would be like, but what are they doing? And I'm like, oh, that's easy. So it was wow. all about just that advocating and putting your foot down and really knowing what is best for you and best for your child mm. and yeah. doing the research and being open-minded to it. Yeah. No, that's really huge. So here's what I put down. At. Number one is be knowledgeable so that you can be an advocate. Yes. And then number two be an advocate for yourself and others. And and I love that because unfolding your story today, what I love about you, Ashley, which hardly anybody does this, is they really find the best doctors. They don't just pick someone because they like them or they're referred, but you're like, no, I study them, and I want not only the best, but they have to be compassionate too yes. at the same time. Absolutely. And I love that about you because – you know, I, I train a lot of women how to prevent breast and ovarian cancer because I went through my own bout. And most people just, like, don't even want to test for it. They don't even want to do their own breast self-exams. They don't even want to know they're normal, let alone find the best doctor. Yeah. Most of the time, they're just like, oh, I'll just go to my family doctor. I've known him for years. Everything's good. You know, and I'll just listen to his advice. But no, you didn't stand for that. No. You looked for the best. What caused that for you to do that and why should people do that? I did it because I know that she deserved it, first off. Yeah. She deserved the best. Yeah. She was, you know, my child. She deserved the best, of course. But I would have done the same thing had it been my mother or my sister or my father because they're so important in our lives that it's important that we make sure that we are getting them the care that they need and the proper care. Yeah. Because I had seen things not be done properly at the previous hospital and things that were just made you think and so I was like I can't stand for that like that can't be acceptable there's got to be something better and so I just had to it was that instinct that motherly instinct that just I love that yeah I love that same instinct that you have for your mother, you have to have for yourself. Like, you deserve the best. Like, don't just sit back because there's something inkling in your mind, like, I need to find the best because I am valuable, right? And we know our kids, and God looks at your daughter, she's valuable. God looks at you and says, you're valuable. Like, there's no one is a mistake. And, And I love that because... I remember when my dad was getting help here in Florida and really the doctors weren't helping him. And my sister put her foot down and said, we're taking you to Michigan. We're taking you to the best, the U of M hospital and making sure. And they literally saved his life twice. 
It's amazing. And, yeah, it's crazy amazing and to watch that. And But he, he would not have lasted here if we would have stuck with the doctors because she said, no, Dad, you deserve the best. Let's do the best. You would do that for us, mm -hmm. so let's help you to get the best. And I Absolutely. love that about you, Ashley, because I know as we unfold more of your story, we're going to point out how you just have always found the best and doing <laughs> the best for you, and I love that. And so I put down number three, choose people people all the whether it's doctors or anyone in your life um, for their skill and their compassion maybe it's a boss right maybe it's uh, people that you're hiring maybe if you own a business you're an entrepreneur you choose them not only for their their talent but also their compassion so important how did you do that and so let's let's go back a little bit so you're married you have a baby you the baby she dies at three and a half Layla and you're married and so now your marriage starts going downhill most marriages don't make it through a death of a child absolutely and so talk about that and what was that like for you that adversity um I mean as you know people grieve differently people feel differently people live their lives differently I mean that's normal but it was extremely hard because I felt like I was doing everything possible that I could do to take care of myself, which in turn apparently wasn't the case in other people's eyes. Mm -hmm. um, so that was an eye-opener for sure. And, and my marriage obviously dissolved. Mm -hmm. How right. long were you married for? Um, it was actually fresh. It was about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just one of those things that everything just kept piling up and aside from just the grief everything yeah. else I was you know I was after losing her I was still pushing forward in you know working and I finished school and I was doing you know all this stuff trying to just keep moving forward that I wasn't actually looking around me at what was happening mm, gotcha yeah. yeah so yeah let's talk I love the fact that you were persistent and you pushed forward uh, for your career and I think that's incredible and you know I always tell my students I'm like listen I had a student today she said Tina I almost dropped out of school because I have four kids and I need to go to work full-time I can't finish school and all this story so I have to put my family first and I said listen sometimes putting your family first is making sure that you are taking care of yourself in order so that in, in the future you can take care of them. Absolutely. And especially financially. So could you imagine if she went to an awful job full time and she's miserable and she's going home, right? Versus, you know, let's let's suffer a little bit financially so that mom can finish school, so that mom can be happy. Yeah. You know. Sometimes there's that, you know, a couple steps back before you can start running. Yes. Absolutely. And I how did you how did you put your bootstraps on to say, no, I'm going to take care of myself? Because most people really don't see their value, Ashley, and they don't say, I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to take care of my dreams. And I, I love the fact that your dream was to be a hairstylist. And I, I love that you are like an avant-garde type of hairstylist too, which yeah. is really a, a cool story in itself. And uh, what caused you to say, hey, I'm going to take care of me? What was that transformational moment for you? Um. I feel like a lot of it had to do with the fact that I wasn't necessarily processing my grief at that point. And I actually went to a grief retreat um, mm. and it was amazing. And I was with 
I was terrified going into it, but I was with other mothers who had lost children, whether it be, you know, 20 years ago, five years ago, three months ago, or one of them, I believe, was just a couple weeks. Yeah. And that was huge for me. And it was a huge eye-opener that I don't have to just keep doing the same thing and blocking my feelings, but I could live my life to the fullest and honor my child in the process. Mm. I, so that is a really cool story because I've never heard about grief retreats. Do, I'm assuming those grief retreats for no matter what you've lost. So this one was for moms who've yeah. lost their children. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so because I've had um, a friend who lost his dad. So I'm assuming there's got to be retreats for that there too. There has to be. There has to be. And why a retreat? Why a retreat over just hiring a therapist or a counselor? Why did you choose a retreat? It was totally different because there I was – you know, you can go somewhere and meet with other mothers who have lost children. That's not that hard to find. Um, but we were in a very relaxing setting. We were in Lake Geneva mm-hmm. in Wisconsin in this beautiful resort. Mm. And they had different people there. And they focused on not just your basic let's talk it out. They focused on other things about, like, honoring your child. And that we did art that involved something to honor our child. We did yoga and we did meditation and we focused on ourselves Mm -hmm. and how we can get through the days when the days are bad. And Mm -hmm. so it was totally outside of the box of what speaking with a therapist was. It was getting down to the nitty gritty. It was telling your story and sobbing and, you know, the person next to you telling her story while she's crying, you're crying because you can feel it. Mm. And it, it was just a room full of compassion, honestly. Yeah. That's what it came down to. Yeah. Well, what's it like uh, when you're grieving to hear other moms that are grieving too? What was that like for you? How was that transformational to be able to be around that? So I felt like that was extremely transformative for me because beforehand, I didn't know how to express my grief um, to everyday people. Mm. Um, I was in a salon and I was dealing with strangers and I was dealing with family who not all of my family knew how to step around it Yeah. or my friends. I lost a lot of friends. Yeah. And so to sit down with these other mothers who had been there and know that I wasn't alone and that I shouldn't fear talking about my feelings, it makes people mm. uncomfortable. Grief is scary to a lot of people. And it was one of those things where you were able to freely talk that whole time. It was four days. You were able to openly talk, say whatever came to your mind without getting stared at funky or pointed at or scared. I had a client one time, and this is a really crazy story, but I felt like we were at a place where we could talk about that. I had heard all about her life, and she knew some of my life, and so... Um, she asked me what I was doing, and this was actually right before I went to the retreat. And mm. this was an eye-opener to me because I said, oh, I'm going to a retreat for grieving mothers. You know, I didn't tell you, but I lost my child, my daughter. And she got so uncomfortable, she told me that uh, 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 I used to be a stripper. And that was like, you can't talk about this with anyone. Like, yeah. I felt so put down because somebody didn't know how to respond to me so she didn't know how to respond not at all wow and so going into from that going into an environment where you could openly speak about it yeah really opened Mm -hmm. me up afterwards because I kind of I I was like you know what 
it was really nice and I want to continue that and I almost don't care as much if I offend people. I'm sorry, but this is my life. This is reality. This could be yeah. anyone's reality. I can't imagine people getting offended. Yeah. I'm really shocked right now. I'm sitting here with my mouth wide open wondering what is wrong with you people, you know? So let's talk to those people because I remember I actually had a friend, she had uh, stage four breast cancer and she said her neighbor never even came over once and she was close with her to even talk to her and later she apologized and she said, I want you to know I was just scared. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I said, oh my gosh, you should write a book to people so they know how to respond to people that have cancer. And so just kind of talking about your daughter, you know, the death of your daughter, how would you have wished that people could respond? Talk to them right now. Talk to friends, talk to family that have lost their children. What would you love for them to have done with you? Honestly, the most important thing I feel like at the end of the day is, and this is something we actually learned at the retreat, okay. is that all we want is to be seen, to be heard, and to be honored. That's it. Yeah. To be seen, to be heard, and to be honored. That's it. Yeah. And what was, what would that look like? Give give me like, let's say you have a family member in front of you. What would you have wished they would have like, give me practicality. They Just could, sat there and listened. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. That was probably the hardest thing is because everyone always wanted to say something. Yeah. Yeah, but, people always want to give advice. Yes. When when there's like a death of a of a loved oh, yeah. one and that just bothers me. Absolutely. And so stop giving advice, you know, and don't say God must have wanted this child Absolutely. because no, that's not true, you know. Right. And it, so that's just wrong. That's, so yeah. what, what would you wish they would have said? Honestly, if they couldn't think of anything to say at all, not saying anything, and just yeah. them saying, I'm here if you need me. Mm, that would have been huge. I'm here if you need me. That's good. Or they have an ear to listen. Like, mm -hmm. anything like that. Instead, I heard, you know, um, well, you'll have another one someday. Or, um, well, maybe it was for the best. Wow. Stuff like that. Yes. From friends and family, it hurt ten times worse than from complete strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, for sure. It's a, it's a huge sting, for sure. And, and I think, yeah, I love the fact that you, the advice that you're giving. What else did you hear that you didn't like, too, that people should not say on the death of a loved one? Ooh. I feel like yeah. I could go on. Yeah. I feel like I could probably yeah. write a book on what keep not to it, say. Keep <laughs> it going, because I think people are, and even on social media, I watch with, you know, deaths of loved ones, and people are posting, and I'm like, I can't believe you just posted that. You yeah. know, I wish I could delete it for them. Yeah. What other posts did you have or people that people said to you? Um, I had a lot of things said, and I, it's so hard just to kind of like pick and choose certain things out of there, but mm -hmm. probably the number one thing I heard was like, oh, well, you know, I don't even know. I can't even think off the top mm -hmm. of my head. Just advice. It was so many different things. Mm -hmm. It was nothing in particular. I feel like it was always just your typical conversation and people would just be like, oh, well, you know, she was sick, so at least she's not in pain anymore. Mm. And I, while yeah. I understand that, it I doesn't see make that. it easier I don't like for that. me. This, that doesn't settle with me either. No. Yeah, so don't say that. <laughs> I, so what should they say? So let's say it's on social media and, and you know, people just want to be kind and say something. So what should they say? You know, in all honesty, I would have appreciated just a, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry mm -hmm. that your heart is aching. Mm -hmm. um, I'm here if you need me. Mm -hmm. I'm here if you want to call me at 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. Yeah. 
do you want to go get coffee? Can I yeah. meet you? You know, yeah. just like little things. Like, let me talk to you. Mm. You don't have to, you know, drag information out or add yeah. your own two cents into it. Like, I would have loved yeah. to just talk to somebody, which is why I ended up doing therapy later on yeah. and going to this grief retreat because we were all feeling the same way. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I love that because I am a true advocate that every single person needs a counselor, needs a therapist, because we all are stuck in some area of our life. I mean, we're flawed human beings. We're not perfect. We're not God. We're not Jesus, you know? So we we have this flaw about us because we have sin in our life. And there's going to be adversity. Guess what? There's going to be adversity. It's right around the corner. It just happens. And so just having the right person to talk to to help guide you and direct you. So let's talk about that to, to be mentally tough. And I believe, and I put down number five, um, I love the fact go to a grief retreat. So if you have lost a loved one, find a retreat because I love that fact that it was four days. It was off of where you know you actually took a vacation, <laughs> so yeah. to speak, for yourself instead of just trying to fit in a yeah. therapist. And I didn't even know that existed. Hire a counselor. Hire a therapist. Uh, someone to just help you. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it is a therapist. Maybe it is a coach. Maybe it's both. Right. You know, help help you through the hard times. Um, but pick the right one. So Absolutely. how have you found the right? Because I think one of the biggest challenges I see, Ashley, uh, being a coach, because I'm a life coach, is I see a lot of people choosing the wrong counselors because they end up in that counselor's office for years. <laughs> and there's no movement in their life. They're still in victim mode. And you're definitely not in victim mode. You're like, I'm, I have a life to live and I'm doing this for Layla too. Yes. And, and I love that. So you're not stuck and you're not like going backwards. You're not looking in the rear view mirror. So how do you choose the right counselor to help you push forward? So when I found my therapist, it was after months and months of searching and I didn't want to just go to any psychologist or psychiatrist at that point and the therapist that I went to go see specialized in grief so it's nice that they have found the best I found the best of course you did because you matter (laughs) so I really navigated through all the different you know categories of you know therapists that they have and it's amazing that they have so many different categories I mean Mm -hmm. you can go to a therapist for specific things and there are specific things people out there to see you and so I found a grief counselor near me which Mm -hmm. was amazing and he ended up being absolutely phenomenal Um, he really helped me and he gave me different exercises to do and things mm. to do and journaling and writing my feelings and every day talk to somebody about how I was feeling. Mm. And that was important. And I feel like um, it was nice to have somebody who was not biased but has seen other situations similar and kind of gathered a little bit of information and knowledge along the way. So he wasn't very by the textbook, which was great, because mm-hmm. he knows that not everyone works that way. Wow. Yeah. So it was about, try reading this book and tell me how you feel. Here's mm. a workbook. Tell me how this makes you feel. And so it was a lot of discussion, and he was always an unbiased ear, which was amazing. Yeah. I love that. So find an unbiased therapist. Yes. <laughs> I think that's huge. Yes. And so I put that down. So find the right therapist. So I, and I'm changing it to unbiased therapist. That's a good word. 
and on a, put number seven to journal and write your feelings. I think that's huge. Do you still journal? I do journal. You do? It's, yeah, I'm a big journaler too. Sometimes I find it's really hard to express how I'm feeling, but I can easily write it. Yeah. And then if I want somebody to read it later on, I can let them read it. Yeah. But if like everyone is busy and I'm like, I just have something weighing on my heart. Something is really hitting me today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write it down. So big. Sometimes I get stuck. So for instance, I use the excuse of I'm kind of busy this next couple of weeks. Um, so I'm going to stay busy and I stayed in that busy mode <laughs> and I didn't do what I actually preach on as journal. And I was actually stuck. And so talk to that person. Do you ever get stuck? And how do you get unstuck? You know, what's that moment for you to get unstuck to start getting that flow again? Because sometimes my brain gets, like, I'm stuck in my brain. I'm like, I don't know how I feel right now. And I don't even know what to write. So how do you get unstuck? Probably the biggest thing for me on getting unstuck, because I'd been there several times, Mm -hmm. was take a break. As weird as that sounds, take a break. So if I was working or if I wasn't working, say I had two days off and I still couldn't write and I was sleeping great and everything was perfect, but for some reason I couldn't couldn't write. Mm-hmm. I used to go hiking all the time. Oh, and I bring my journal cool. with me and I'd also bring my yoga mat. Oh. And so there were a couple areas that I used to go hiking in all the time and I had one spot there and I knew that if I went there, this one area was always quiet and mm-hmm. perfect and beautiful and peaceful and animals everywhere and deer and it was just gorgeous. That one spot made me unstuck every time. So find your spot. Find your spot. Find your spot. There's always, I usually have a journaling chair, which yeah. is my spot. <laughs> yeah. And I have to put the candle on. I have to have, you know, a little bit dimmed lights yep. and I have to have colored markers. I'm really bizarre or colored pens okay. <laughs> about that. That helps me too to get unstuck as well too. And I love what you said about meditating and also hiking and getting outside that's huge i'm gonna have to try that do a little bit more i love the beach i love to walk on the beach that helps me with the ocean water as well too Um, but also i just started this new app it's called abide a b i d e and last night i just could not shut my life off so on those nights that i don't i put my headphones on and just listen to that meditation app and every time i do that actually it's so funny um i just i fall asleep but i when i wake up in the morning i sleep so sound that it's actually a sleep app you know going through it i'm thinking what time did it actually stop yeah (laughs) so it's funny going back to the retreat so we had um a amazing yoga instructor there. Um, she actually owns a studio in Chicago, and so she does um, meditation. She does guided meditation. Mm-hmm. And she has the most peaceful voice I've ever heard in my mm. life. And so after the retreat, a couple of us had said, you know, oh, we can't find anyone like you. You know, it's not the same. So we actually had her record herself wow. doing the guided meditation. Oh, my god! And I still have it. So wow. I always pull it up if I'm ever like in that spot where I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't shut down. It's just too much, too much, too much. Yeah. And so it's, you have to find what works for you. Yeah. And if guided meditation works and then all of a sudden you're like, well, this isn't it. It's mm-hmm. just not your person. Yeah. Find your person. She had just a soothing voice yeah. that was perfect for it. 
it really mm-hmm. just makes you let go. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've gone through a lot of apps, and, yeah. and that's the reason why I like this one is he actually or she or she. It's two of them. Um, they'll either tell they usually tell a story that happened in the Bible, okay. and so it's like a Bible story, and it's like oh I, I totally relate to that story right now, and you're just kind of going into you're in the story, you feel like you're actually in the story, you know, many two thousand years ago, yeah. you know, in the story, and it's so beautiful. You're right, you have to find that correct one for you and make sure you delete those apps that you're paying for too. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that the hard oh, way. Yeah. <laughs> those apps, they, they cost you a fortune every yeah. year and you're not even using them. So I have to get back into my settings, you know, to delete Absolutely. those. I lo- okay, so I put down uh, journal your feelings and but take a break if you get stuck and, and I love that. I wanna go backwards because after you, um, after the death of your daughter, you had you went through some severe anxiety and depression. Let's talk about that. And you said, um, you said I had, I had, I went on medication. My doctor, because I went to this doctor, <laughs> right? Not, not a therapist. Yep. I went to a doctor. Just said, here, take these pills. And you took them for six months. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I'm done. I, I know this isn't right for me because you know how valuable you are Absolutely. and you want the best. So talk about that process. What was that? moment in time for you talk to that person right now that is going through anxiety and depression what was that moment of like weakness for you that said I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to this what happened um I just felt like my life was breaking down Mm -hmm. so of course you know in speaking with my therapist he recommended maybe I should go see the um, psychiatrist Mm -hmm. so I did and, you know, I just kind of rolled with it, and he told me his advice, and I rolled with that, and it ended up not being the right thing for me. And I was still going through my anxiety, and I was still going through my depression, but the eye-opener was I wasn't necessarily going through anxiety and depression. I was still grieving. Mm, so it's different. It's different. Yes. And so were you not giving yourself a break of saying I'm I need to allow myself to go through this grief is that what happened absolutely because you're just like hey I'm gonna high achiever I'm gonna keep moving forward and whatever you can give me doctor to get back to where I was I need that right now so what's that moment for you that said you know what I I need to stop getting off this I need to get off this medication what was that moment for you do you remember it was me being in a good place it was you know after the retreat it was after everything had slowly started to fall back into place in a very short amount of time, obviously. Mm-hmm. I was on him for six months. And I kept my emergency, in case of emergency, take this pill. I kept mm-hmm. that. And I actually have the bottle still. Yeah. From, you know, 2014. Uh-huh. So it, it, it was just one of those things where I felt like I was at a point where I could better handle myself and my thoughts and that I needed to feel it Hmm. yeah I needed to feel it to get through it I that's beautiful because I think most people don't want to I just don't I don't want to feel this pain you know that's going on and and so how did you know that you needed to feel it it was just a gut feeling honestly Mm. it was just that you you have to trust your gut and Mm. my heart felt better than it had. My mind felt better than it had. And I knew that 
after the six months of trying to find my coping mechanisms to find what worked for me, which works differently for everyone. But the things that worked for me were to the point where when I was feeling anxious or I was feeling these feelings that, you know, were all so quick to try to hide, Mm -hmm. I knew that I needed to feel them in order to get through to the other side of it. Yeah. You need to feel them. And that was, that was it. How hard is that to feel those feelings? It was impossible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I took off or I got off my medication and I actually took a vacation and I Mm -hmm. came to Florida. Nice. And I was like, this way I'm just, I'm away. Mm -hmm. I can deal with it how I have to deal with it. So you kind of got to get away from your normal life. Absolutely. So that you can actually feel it. Absolutely. Yeah, allow yourself to feel those feelings. What was that moment? Because I think most people don't obey their instincts because I'm putting that down actually as number 10, uh, to feel the pain, trust your gut, obey your instincts. And and so you start taking uh, the pills uh, for anxiety. And you told me they switched you to another medication and you still felt anxious. Yeah. So it wasn't working. No. Whatever they were giving you and all you felt was numb right. from the pills. Right. Absolutely. And you knew it was wrong. But why do you think um, people that do take them and they continue to take them, they don't they don't obey those instincts? What do you think is causing that? It's also hard when you're prescribed medication for your anxiety because if you still feel anxiety, your doctor's first instinct is to increase. Right. Increase, 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 increase. It's almost never ending mm-hmm. to the point where you're not feeling anything and I didn't want to get to that level. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with getting to that level if you have to. If you have to just to get to a spot where you're able to cope by yourself. Right. Especially if you're suicidal. Absolutely. So that's, and you weren't suicidal. No. 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 Yeah. I just needed a little assistance. Mm-hmm. I needed to calm my mind and mm-hmm. calm the storm that was happening until I was able to navigate through my own feelings. Yeah. Well, here you were, you you lost your daughter, now you're losing your marriage, yes. and so everything's just falling and caving in, yeah. and you're like, I've got to get on this medication, and you know, at the advice of your therapist, and so here you're doing that, and uh, what was that moment of time that you just said, you know what, this isn't right, so the doctor says I'm going to give more and more and more, most people would say, okay doc, whatever you think I need, you yeah. know, but what was that for you that said no? I'm done. And you actually had to tell the doctor. Yes. No, I'm done. Yes. You're taking me off this. Yes. Yeah. How did how did they respond to that one? <laughs> um, it was a shock because this was actually while I was going through my divorce. So wow. I was going through my divorce yeah. and I could feel that numbness still even with my anxiety. So I could feel the numbness and I was like, okay, whatever. Yep, whatever. Go with the flow. And I was like, but I lost a child. I'm going through divorce. Mm-hmm. I can't be this numb to it. I have to feel it because this is something that I have to go through. Mm-hmm. This is life. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to go through this. But I'm in a place mentally where I can better help myself. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Talk to that person right now. Um, how do they know that they should get a divorce? Because y- your relationship was toxic yes. and was hurting you. Yes. And uh, so talk to that person right now that says, you know what, I believe in marriage. Um, I don't want to get divorced. But there's the moment in time where you're like, you know what? But when it's like this, this is when it needs to happen. So talk to, talk to that person right now. I feel like that, advice? I feel like that doesn't even necessarily just pertain to a marriage. But 
toxic mm, people toxic in people. general. Okay. Even family or friends or whatever, you have to you have to protect your heart and your head and your feelings and whatever space you've created. Um, it's really hard to get out of it. I've been in some really uncomfortable situations before um, with my ex. And it was one of those things where at the end of the day, it was a light bulb because I know that I deserved better mm-hmm. and that had my daughter still been here, she deserved better. Mm-hmm. And so because she wasn't here, I needed to take care of myself, whatever mm-hmm. that meant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I ran with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I put Actually, I put that down of guarding your heart. Yeah. Remove toxic people from it's your important. life. important. Yeah. And that's how you become mentally tough. You've got to guard your heart. Right. You have to. You have to. That's really beautiful. Okay, so here's what I got. I'll tell you. So number one, in order to be mentally tough, is be knowledgeable so that you can be an advocate. Number two, be an advocate for yourself and others because you deserve the best. You matter. Choose people in your life for their skill and compassion. Uh, take care of yourself first. Uh, number five, go to a grief retreat. Um, hire a counselor. Uh, learn how to cope during the bad days. And then number six, I said find an unbiased therapist. Uh, number seven, uh, journal. Write your feelings. Take a break if you have to. Go hiking. Do yoga. Meditation apps, right? Uh, number eight, every day talk to someone about your feelings. And I love that you said that. I want, I want to go back to that because um, who did you talk to about your feelings and how did you know that they were safe to talk to? That was hard. Yeah. That was hard. Again, mm-hmm. protecting your heart and your head and your space. You are often guarded. Yeah. And so finding my person was always tough. Mm-hmm. And I have three people now that I know that I can go to and I can tell them I'm having a really rough day. Wow. You're lucky. That's <laughs> such a blessing because most people don't have anybody. So one yeah. of them was a client of mine. Wow. And she is amazing. Mm-hmm. I became part of her family and she became part of my family. She has two little girls. Um, They lost their father. She lost her husband. He passed away from cancer. And so I was in their life when he was alive and while they were battling. Mm. And after he passed. And I still talk to her. Like, we're planning to meet up for spring break because she's coming here. Mm. And she is my person. And I was – she watched me heal myself. Mm. And so when she was going through it, she came to me. And said, I don't know how you did it. Wow. So yeah. it it's just finding it's just finding that person. And yeah. you know it. You know it the second you meet him. Yeah. Her and I, we say all the time, we're like, you know, long lost sisters. Yeah. Yeah, you just keep looking. And I love it that you just put yourself out there too, Ashley. And I think that's how you find those people. You've got to put yourself out there, you know, and you have to be there for people in order. And I always used to tell my daughter because she would say when she was a little girl, Mom, Mommy, I don't have any friends. And I said, well, you have to be a friend yeah. to get a friend. And so you have to just, like, put yourself out there. Like, get uncomfortable. Get in uncomfortable situations and just Absolutely. start talking to people. And that's what's so cool about you, Ashley, is that you continue to do that. That's why your inner circle is so deep and wide 
and because most people don't have that because they won't you know they just retreat yeah and they won't talk about their feelings so I think that's really really huge so that was number eight and then number nine um, obey your instincts it just you know feel the pain trust your gut and boy that's that could be a whole another podcast absolutely itself, to be mentally tough and I mean how do you navigate that so as you you know start to work through your instincts you know I was just talking to my director and and because we just did a um, interview with someone and and I said you know it just instantly within about six seconds I kind of knew that maybe she wasn't the right foot for us and yeah. she's like oh how did you feel that I said I don't know I just felt like something turned in my gut Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I should obey that instinct right now. Absolutely. And so we kind of talked through it, and she's like, I think we should too. And I think we should obey your instinct on that one. And I'm like, okay, I hope I'm not making a wrong mistake. <laughs> but, you know, it's so hard. Like, yeah. what's it transformational moment for you? Because I, I know there's so many times I'm not I'm going to push through it. Other times I will obey it. But how do you just obey? What's your advice? There are certain things that I've noticed, and some of them are signs. Again, no coincidences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anytime, sometimes I'll just ask the universe for something. Mm-hmm. Like, give me something yeah. that shows me I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever the situation might, do, might be. If I was ever having, like, an exceptionally rough day, and I went hiking, and I would talk to my daughter, and I'd be like, if we're on the same page, yeah. and if you're listening to me, which you should be, show me something. Mm. And every single time, she would show me a deer. Wow. Every single time, within minutes. Wow. And there would That's always amazing. be one deer, and I'd be like, okay. Tell me the story of the ladybug. Okay, so uh, her name was Layla. Mm-hmm. And so my whole family and me called her Ladybug or Layla Bug. Mm. And so the ladybugs became a trend, and she loved ladybugs when she was younger. And I don't know if it was the color, but she loved them. And so I have a ladybug tattoo. My mom has a ladybug tattoo. Wow. And everybody has, after she passed away, any any person who supported us or loved us or sent us well wishes even, they had ladybugs show up. At their houses. Yeah. No I matter where they lived. that on social media. No matter yes. where they lived. Like, in the mm-hmm. middle of a blizzard in, you know, wherever. Mm-hmm. And they'd find a ladybug in their house. And it wasn't even the season. <laughs> yeah. So, everybody had uh-huh. always, especially after um, I would tell people my story. Later on that day, sometimes people would find a ladybug. Yeah. So... Be on the lookout for ladybugs. That's so cool. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I remember when you were posting that, Ashley, because I'm obsessed with ladybugs. Yeah. I love ladybugs because every time I see one, I, I blow them, make a wish, yeah. you know, and, and that sort of thing. But I really believe that, um, and I keep reading more and more, and it's just kind of funny. God is funny, and he's going to show us signs like that because yeah. he's really funny. And so I was just reading a story about uh, when he, you know, went up to um, his uh, disciples and he said, just 
put put your net on the other side of the boat and they catch all this fish that the boat almost sinks but yeah. he really is funny like he wants us to have like that type of relationship with him not a serious religious relationship but he actually wants us to laugh and to see things and so even the ladybug it just makes you smile absolutely yeah it makes you uh, you know just kind of get through the day because we can't laughter's the best medicine oh yeah and he knows that you yeah. know and so he keeps bringing things so I love that you said you know God asked me for a sign and and it's so true because I I will sit there I have a uh, my journal is a circle prayer so every time I pray I circle it so some some prayers are like 20 times circling yeah. around <laughs> sometimes more sometimes I cut a hole through my journal you know because it's so many times but it's so true because I just kept like I've been praying for the right you know people to come into my companies yeah. you know the right not only competency but compassionate Absolutely. people and like what you were saying skill and compassion because those two things are really really important to me you know to have to protect our culture and protect our environment and the same thing protect you yeah. protect who's even around you and and so I just I think that's huge obey your instincts even who you choose which ties into number 10 that sometimes in order to allow those people in, you've got to remove some people out of your life. Yeah. Or, or I like to tell people, you know, because we said remove the toxic people, guard your heart. But I also like to tell people, why don't you just start adding people and those people will just start going away. It does work. Yeah. It does work. Just start adding the right people. And I love that you reached out to me and I said to you, I said, why did, why did you call me? Why did you want to meet for lunch? You drove two and a half hours to see <laughs> me today. And we, we talked about that. And I just th I think it's beautiful. And I'm so glad that you did. And, and it's so crazy because you've been on my mind ever since your daughter passed. And we had, you know, met and talked. I didn't know that you did Hannah's hair, which yep. is crazy. Or it's a big circle. Big circle. And the crazy thing is, is we're looking to put another business up near where you live. And so who knows? We maybe continue to be fingers connected. Crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed through that process. So I just think that's really neat. And I think just putting yourself out there with people. And I'm glad we did this podcast interview because I really believe it's going to change some people's mindsets because I believe the biggest battle right now in the world is a battle for our minds. Absolutely. And to really, really not allow our minds uh, to be affected or infected because yeah. it will destroy us in the end. You know, it's not, um, it's not a fight against anything but the mind. So what other piece of advice do you give, Ashley, to really protect your mindset to be mentally tough? Probably I don't put my time or my energy into things that mm. I shouldn't. Yes. I mean... So guard your time. Yeah. It goes back to guarding yeah. your heart. Yeah. Guard your heart and guard your time. Yeah. It's so true. Like choosing, I talk about it's not time management, it's priority management. And so what's going to get me closer? Like if I spend time with this person or if I spend time with that person or if I do this or focus on this, read this book, um, if I watch the silly show, is that really going to take me one step closer? But maybe right. the silly show will give me laughter and maybe I need that right now. Right. Right. And so just but guarding your time. I've been, I tell you, the older I get, the more I guard my time. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like how do you make the choice of what's best for you each day? I remind myself that I'm the priority in all reality. Mm. I mean, there are things like, you know, friends will invite me to go somewhere or, you know, tell me that they have a lot going on. But if I'm not in the right headspace for that, I know when to take a step back. 
Yeah. And, and that's a good quote. Remind yourself that you are the priority. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Well. <laughs> wake up every morning and tell yourself yes. that. Yeah, wake up every morning. It changes morning. everything. Everything. Yeah. That's really huge, Ashley. Okay, so what's next for Ashley in your life? Like, where, where's your dream? Dream big. What do you see yourself doing? Keep pushing. Yeah. Never stop. Who knows yeah. where I'll end up. Yeah. I love what you, um, you're a yes person. Yeah. And you put yourself out there to do uh, really cool things, Always. too. You told us, tell a story about when, because <laughs> uh, you're a traveling bartender. Yes. And, uh, and so it was at a Harley Davidson oh gosh, type yes. retreat. So tell that story, because you really put yourself out there. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. So after my daughter passed away, I realized that I had to stop being so scared. I had to stop letting my fear dictate what I do and don't do in my life. And so I started travel bartending at different events. I did the Kentucky Derby. I did a bunch of horse races and NASCAR races. And one of them was wow. a Harley anniversary party. So it was a big motorcycle fest, basically. <laughs> and I had met um, one of the people who was working it while I was bartending. And all of a sudden, he just came up to me and was like, we need you over here. You'll be back in like, I don't know, 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, sure, not even thinking anything. Mm. Well, he was, him and the guys that he was with were uh, stunt riders, and they were out there doing different stunts, and so we start walking over, and there's this big ball of steel, and there's two stunt riders in it. And he's like, so what you're going to do is you're just going to get in there and stand there and look pretty. And I was like, oh, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. And then I was like, all right, so um, I got in there, even though I was shaking like a leaf, and I was terrified. Had he told me what he wanted me to do before I got over there, it would have been a no. But I'm so glad mm. that he didn't, because it ended up being such an experience that I would have never, ever thought I would have done. Wow. And I did, and it was crazy. Yeah. But it was so much fun, and it was just something to make you feel good, some sort of good adrenaline rush yes as opposed to like the anxiety adrenaline rush yeah totally different I really believe that that helps you to become mentally tough as I remember um, my son after going through his challenges he actually went to Australia for six months to clear his head and so when we say talking about like you know removing yourself from your environment yes. and he did that and all of a sudden the next thing I find out he didn't even enroll in classes he fooled us and he ended up going all around the whole country Australia and New Zealand he was bungee jumping oh he yeah was scuba diving doing all this crazy stuff so I actually put that uh, for number 12 say yes to do crazy things yes because and, and even like I've been on retreats women's retreats and they have you jumping from I literally Literally was jumping from a telephone pole to another telephone pole thinking I'm gonna die yep. I know I'm gonna die <laughs> doing these crazy things that I never normally would do like you said right. you talk yourself about it but but you're in that adrenaline rush like everyone's staring at you all the peers yep. around you so you have to say yes and I'm competitive and I yep. know you are too yeah <laughs> so you're like I'm gonna do this Absolutely. but it's true it I really think that adds to being mentally tough. So maybe choose to do some crazy things that you never would have thought you would have done. To Go skydiving. How tough you are. Go you skydiving. Know? Why do you have to say that? Because I don't want to do that. <laughs> My staff says, Tina, you need to go skydiving. I'm like, okay. <laughs> we'll go together. It's fine. Might as well jump off an airplane while we're at it. 
<laughs> it's crazy though, but I love that. So thank you, Ashley. What's the best way to get a hold of you and to find you? Is it through social media? Uh, Facebook. On Facebook. So okay. yeah, I've got a hair page and a personal page. And what's your hair page? Um, Ashley Lark. Okay. Hair. And how do you spell that? A S H L E Y. My last name is L A R K E. And then it's a little dash hair, dash. Another dash. Yep. Beyond Perfect. hair. I love yep. it. Ashley Lark hair. So a dash in between the hair. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank being a part you. of this. This is awesome. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.